Hi friends, welcome back to another video slash episode of the James Red Podcast. Today I'm here with a guy named Corey Myers. Did I say your last name right? Yes, yes, okay. Myers. Great. Uh, he is with me and he is a musician and specifically a drummer, but this won't be a conversation about the technicalities of being a drummer so much. Uh, as always, this will be about creativity and mastering a craft. And uh, Corey shares a plethora of covers on his channel and on his Instagram profile. And I too have been a drummer since I was a wee lad. So I, I, I enjoy Corey's style. I seek out styles of drumming and I look for very specific things when I'm listening to music and I pay deep attention to whatever the drums are doing at any given time. And his style is, is really interesting to me. It has a, a backbone and a, a lot of finesse to it. I think that's quite nice. But I will link below to his his things if you're interested in drumming people. Uh, he is a very interesting creator. Thank you for taking the time. And how's your day going, man? Man, thank you for having me. And uh, my day is good. Uh, it's hot here in Missouri. Um, humidity is high. And I unloaded a bed out of my apartment today. So I got a lot accomplished. Mm. <laughs> It's like if you don't get enough of a workout while you're playing drums, you can always lift the bed. Oh, a good man. strategy. Yeah, definitely. And and I think actually playing drums is probably more of a workout than carrying a bed. Correct. And it also depends on what you play, I suppose. Yeah, that too. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so uh, where can people find you if they want to? Well, I mean, I'm online pretty much anywhere. And the main... Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was on MySpace back in the day, not anymore. Uh, I don't even, I don't think you can find a MySpace now. No. And you know, that's funny. What's the other one uh, that was popular? Yeah. Zanga. My wife yelled oh, Zanga. Yeah, she, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she yelled across the house. Um, yeah, Zanga was a popular one back yeah. in the day. There's Friendster. I never got on that one. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. That was I, I. I don't even. I know nothing about it because I never used it. Uh, that was. <laughs> but do you remember AIM AOL Instant Messenger? Yes, I do. Oh, that was good times, man. That was good times. I, I spent a lot of time uh, in the wee not, evenings, wee evening, wee hours of the evening, talking to all sorts of people, romantic partners and such. Anyway, so. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so what I want to talk about today is your craft of being a drummer and how you have grown that over time. And first off, I'm curious, why did you decide to become a drummer in the first place? Well, really it started when I was a young, young kid. I got my first drum kit when I was two and it wasn't a full kit. It was just a kick snare hi-hat type of thing. And I think my parents kind of noticed that I had rhythm when I was a a baby and uh you know i grew up in a church where they played uh music in the services uh more contemporary style music so there was a drum kit and uh even a percussionist there and i think as a baby you know i've heard stories that i would keep rhythm in the in the seat even just as like a one-year-old uh then when i was two my parents bought me my first drum kit they were like and, jesus gave this man a talent yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I pretty much was born into it. Yeah. Uh but but I didn't uh didn't just gain the skills that I have. I had to work on them. 
And so I got a first drum kit at two. Uh, it was something that I loved over time. And then I, moving forward, I got a, a full drum kit when I was five. And that's when I really started uh, getting into playing songs and, and playing uh, with my dad, who's actually a guitar player. And uh, we would just jam in the house when I was a kid. And so I just grew up around music. My my whole family is a musical. My grandpa, um, he taught music. He's a He was a trumpet player uh, and a jazz musician. And then my uncle is uh, still to this day a professional jazz drummer. And um, his name's Mike. And he... Wow, you have a lineage there. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. So, and that's my mom's side of the family. My mom's also musical. Um, and then you go to my dad's side and he plays guitar. Uh, and then his brother, my other uncle, plays guitar. And so it really just runs in the family, uh, to be honest. I don't know how. It's like everybody in the family has something that they're good at. Yeah. <laughs> and so, which is really cool. So for me, drums just became like, the centralized thing in my life that I always wanted to do and I still do. Mm. So it's that's interesting. It's, uh, it's interesting. We have very, very similar stories. I, I grew up in the church world too, playing drums. I, uh, I spent an enormous amount of time on stage, which made me very comfortable on stage, at least behind a drum set. Yeah. Uh, so now being on stage is, is one of the more comfortable places for me on earth, which I think to many people would seem crazy. But uh, I, when I was, uh, when I was very young, my drum set was a couch. I have, <laughs> we have whole home videos of me playing uh, with like two drumsticks, playing on the couch in my whitey tidies, really exciting <laughs> times. And then I got a drum set and then I started playing when I was four and um, started going at it from there. But like, I'm the, I'm sort of a creative anomaly in my family. I think my dad sings, but uh, I, I think that I, I feel, I feel different than a lot of people in my family in that regard. So it's yeah. always interesting to hear from people who have sort of this lineage of, of creativity and musicianship in their family. That seems like a really interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I get that question a lot, you know, people ask me, did you take drum lessons? And, uh, you know, I didn't, but in a way I kind of did because my whole family are, are musicians. So mm -hmm. growing up, I always had, always had somebody to turn to if I had a question. And when it came to drums, there's, there's three other drummers in the family. My dad plays drums as well as guitar. And then my, my uncle and my grandpa both play uh, jazz drums. So, you know, there was always somebody to turn to when I had a question or wanted them to show me something or teach me something. And uh, so, yeah, when people ask me if I've taken lessons, it's like, no, officially no. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I had some help along the way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Did you, um, did, did you spend enough time with the, the jazz musicians in your family to learn a lot about finesse? Uh, yes and no. Um, when I was a young kid, it wasn't as important to me. Um, I was just, you know, young and didn't know at the time how important that kind of stuff was. Uh, I remember my uncle and my grandpa 
kind of trying to teach me some of that stuff. And sometimes it would be really interesting to me. Other times I was just like, oh, I don't really care. You know, I just want to play. Um, you're like you're like in a you're in a hardcore section of your life, and you're like, no, nah, yeah. I just want to, I just want to, I'm fine with breaking all my symbols. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, I definitely went through you know this stage of like, because when I was growing up, being in a church and also having a musical family, you know, I'm going to a lot of live concerts as a kid with my dad, professional concerts. Uh, what I mean by that is um, outside of the church world. I'm going to all these concerts in Kansas City and seeing, you know, uh, people like Joe Bonamassa, who's a really famous blues guitar player, uh, watching people like him, uh, uh, Joe Satriani, mm -hmm. uh, all these like guitar kind of guru people, because that's who my dad listened to. Watching those kind of things and then going back to the church world where you grow up watching guys just pretty much beat the heck out of the drums <laughs> and, then, and then going to the family who are jazz musicians and they've got the, they're all into the technique and the finesse and, and more of the pract practical things when it comes to drumming and music in general. Mm -hmm. So you, when you mix all those together, I think that's where my style comes in. Mm -hmm. that's awesome uh, i know that you you played a couple of covers of under oath on your channel which is yeah. my all-time favorite band I, I try to explain people to people what under oath sort of is musically and it's kind of a difficult thing because they're pretty hardcore but they're all, their yeah. stuff is also very dynamic and, and different and uh it almost feels classical to me in a sense i i don't I think some people may struggle to make that connection, but to me it always, and Aaron Gillespie is my favorite drummer of all time. He's one of the, it's one of the few examples of me actually picking a favorite something in life. So, <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, side note, I've, I've hung out with Aaron twice uh, and both times were unplanned. Really? And what's funny about, it was actually a couple of years ago. What's funny is the, the first time I met him, uh, I live about two hours from Omaha, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. and he had he had tweeted out or something early in the day that he was playing an a, uh, acoustic show at this coffee shop in Omaha. And I remember thinking, man, I got nothing to do tonight. So, <laughs> so I Sit drove. home, go see Aaron Gillespie play yeah, guitar. Like, <laughs> and I think it was even a free show, if I remember. Or it was like 10 bucks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I drove there with a friend. Uh, another under oath friend <laughs> who loves under oath. and um we get there we got there pretty early in the afternoon and i remember we were just going to hang out around omaha i was walking down the street and aaron gillespie walked by <laughs> by himself That's exactly how my, my friend met him that way he was just yeah. walking down the street they and just bumped into each other i was like hey like and i didn't want to be that guy that was like fangirling and like i love under oath um so I just said hi and told him I was there for the show. I was looking forward to it. And he went on his way. I went on my way. A couple hours later, I, I'm in this coffee shop drinking coffee with my friend. We're just sitting at the table waiting for the show to start. And there's like five people in there. And uh, Aaron walked in and he kind of glanced around. And we were like the only younger uh, people in there. And I think the rest of the 
the population there, the older folks, they were like, they didn't even know who was there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he's, he's made eye contact with us and just came over and sat down and he talked to us for like two hours before the show. Uh, and, and then to make the story short, about a year later, we did a youth camp at my church out in Colorado and our youth pastor was like, I don't know who I want to bring in for worship this year. We usually do like special guest. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think I'm going to bring in this Aaron Gillespie guy. Uh, you know, he does worship with his acoustic guitar and we were kind of going for a simple vibe that year for our youth camp. And I was like, yes, I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and so he came and uh, did the worship at our youth camp, but then he was in the middle of a tour uh, and his next show was like two days later in Denver. And we were like two or three hours from Denver out in Colorado. And uh, our youth pastor was like, Hey, Corey, do you want to drive Aaron down to his show? So yes! I was like, yes, I will. And so it was just him and I again for about three hours in the car. And Dude, that's uh, so awesome. what's funny is that was like a year before under oath got back together. Mm. And I remember asking him, it was just us. I was like, short hair at that time. Uh, yes, it was. It yeah, he had shorter hair and he had it like slicked back or whatever. I used to yeah, I used to have long hair that was as long as his. So that was one of the reasons why I loved him. Is I would, I, I had a lot of energy on stage. Here, I'll actually show you. People used to call me Animal when I would play. <laughs> For people who are listening, this is uh, a, sh- a shirt of Animal from the Muppets. That's and awesome. For one, because I had this long red hair and it looked like a fireball. <laughs> and two, because I had a lot of energy. I've always had a lot of energy when I played. And uh, and so that was that was my connection to him. I, I always thought it was fantastic. Somebody else looked kind of like me. He wasn't a lefty, though. That was the only disconnection. But anyway. People probably thought you were Aaron Gillespie. Yeah. I, well, that, that's what I was going for. I would get Sean White a lot. <laughs> I, the general public, back when his hair was long, people yeah. would literally yell it out of cars at me. And I would just play along and confuse them it was it was good times yeah it it it, so that was just a cool story you know uh not a lot of people i don't tell that story a whole lot but it was just cool to spend that time with him twice in the last you know within a year Mm. and it's like i grew up listening to under oath and i respect aaron as one of the best drummers out there Mm. and so for me to end up in a in a coffee shop with the guy and then a year later in a car with him for two or three hours, just one-on-one, I was like, man, you never know what situation you're going to be thrown into. Mm-hmm. And so. And one of the things I love about him is he's an incredibly unique drummer from many different perspectives. One being just his style is really intense and raw, but it's, 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 technical in the sense that the stuff he would come up with was really interesting but it was different than a lot of anything else that has has really ever been out there. I mean, we, uh, we have other bands that have come along that have a similar feel, but overall the sound of under oath and the sound of Aaron Gillespie as a drummer is incredibly unique. And he was somebody that I think had to fight upstream a little bit because when he was growing up in his church, uh, I've heard him talk about that experience where everybody was just like, Hey, you just need to stop hitting the drums so hard. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, you need to get it together. We're going to kick you out of here, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's a story of fighting against the the current of what everybody else wants you to do and being different. He's just an incredibly different guy in almost every sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I connected with him a lot in that sense of, of growing up in the church playing drums and being, you know, more of a hard hitter. And uh, in the church world, you kind of get critiqued for that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was an inspiration for me when it came to that. And uh, yeah, I love his drumming. I love Under Oath. Um, I'm glad they're back together. I remember asking him in the car, I was like, so is Under Oath, can you get back together? And he was like, I can't say anything. And uh, I was like, yes, they're going to get back together. <laughs> so That's awesome. Now they're, you know, they got this new album out and they're doing great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, they changed their sound a lot. Okay, well, we could spend the rest of the conversation talking about Under Oath easily, yeah, but let's move on. For sure. um, so uh, I'm curious, what do you love about the craft of playing drums? Oh man. Um, <clears throat> for me personally, I would say, uh, I like, excuse me. I like the creativity that comes with, with playing drums. Um, <clears throat> what a lot of people probably don't see is, uh, there's so much more that goes into drumming than just playing a beat for a song. Mm. And, uh, that was kind of something that I wanted to tackle when I started posting stuff online um, was just to show people that drummers are not there to just uh, be, well, they're there to be a backbone. Don't get me wrong, but they're not, there's so much more that goes into it. And, mm -hmm. and people just think that it's sometimes maybe easy to be a drummer compared to maybe some of the other musicians in the band, like a guitar player or piano player, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really, it's not the case. I think most of the time, and people that I've run into would say that being a drummer, uh, it might be the most difficult job. Uh, and, and so that's something that I've really tried to showcase online. But for me, it's all about the creativity. Uh, and not just playing drums, but, but, um, the sound of the drums, how you tune them, how you record them, the science behind it, mm. that, that kind of stuff intrigues me just as much as playing the drums intrigues me. Um, and that's kind of partially why I'm online now, which I never would have thought of happened uh, either. But um, I'm thankful that I have the platform, you know, to, to bring that to light and to inspire other drummers out there. Uh, that they don't have to have a band or they don't have to be in a band to be successful or to even enjoy playing drums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that there is uh, such a level of technicality that goes into being a drummer that people don't understand if they're not at, at, on the level of of playing of course and just the dynamics and if you hit the snare over here it makes a different sound than if you hit it here and the cymbals especially are these incredibly dynamic pieces of an instrument that you can you know you hit up a do -do ding and then building that finesse and that muscle memory into your uh into your arms and your let and your feet and making all of those things work together in harmony is an incredibly technical process but i think people watch 
drummers do it well and they think oh that's that, that it feels so effortless to watch yeah. from from a distance and you think that you can you can pull that off right and uh and and that's the same with any craft to some extent but i think it's so interesting to think about all the things that are going on when a drummer is playing a beat and how the drummer has tuned the snare to say it's incredible it's incredibly difficult to to tune drums for me i never figured out how to do it technically correct it's uh and making all of that come together get getting the right symbols to sound like you need them to sound and not be too overbearing and you know and if you and if you want them to sound more washy than buying a more washy symbol. And sometimes those are more expensive than the, the other ones over here that are a little more pingy and this and that. But, but I think that you have to spend an enormous amount of time as a drummer to get to a level where you're really solid. Yeah. Really uh, carry a band. You can be a backbone. You can, you can, sort of hit on the in the right places that help everything come together and make sense in the band so many people do this kind of okay uh not a whole lot of people do that really really well and i love i love how i love how good drummers make things feel effortless but there's so much that goes into it yes that's a good way of putting it you know uh you look at the music industry today and there's drummers that you might call like the backbone drummers those you could almost say those are like the studio drummers because they and there's nothing against them i do studio stuff all the time but those are the drummers that come in and they're usually told what to play and they just come in like a machine or a robot almost and they just play what they're told to play and they get the job done then you have drummers like aaron gillespie for example who makes under oath under oath and they make that band 10 times better and and you don't want to go and but, see but yeah just under oath without them. yeah you don't want to go and see under oath without aaron gillespie absolutely and you know and and it's funny because aaron gillespie is not even the tightest drummer out there when it comes to skill mm-hmm. he there i'm sure there's way many way more guys out there that could play those tunes but technically he's pretty he's actually pretty sloppy but yeah but he's he has a he has this overriding style of of intensity and creativity that fills in that void and emotion too he any emotion yes yeah he plays with a lot of emotion that's something that i've tried to instill into my playing too whether it be in in church or in the studio or online in a video uh, I think part of that just stems from loving music so much and loving drums so much that when I get caught up in a song or some or playing or jamming with somebody, I just enjoy it. And that's what I like live to do. And so for me, that emotion just naturally comes out. Mm. And when you naturally have that, you can't beat it, you know? Yeah. And, when a lot of times it's attached to sort of falling into a flow state within yourself where you, you yeah. feel really attached to what's going on. That's a great yeah. place. Yeah, that too. And and that's the hardest thing to explain to aspiring drummers is mm-hmm. I get that question all the time is how and it's worded differently, but you know, the question might be how how do you get so good at drums? Or 
how do you you look like you're having a great time when you're playing and how do you get so into it and and I don't have a, a right or wrong answer but from experience it's just I love playing drums that much that if I get behind a drum kit no matter where I'm at I'm always gonna give it 110 percent mm. because it's what I like to do mm-hmm I, th- I think another thing that helps a drummer get into a flow state is, or um, any artist for that matter, is when you have this nice intersection between these two things where it's not too challenging that you're thinking really hard about it to try to accomplish the the task at hand. And I think for new drummers, they're overwhelmed with that part of it, especially if it's live and they actually have to make sure that they can't stop, right? <laughs> That's yeah. another variable that you don't think about enough if, if, you, if you're not a musician. Uh, you can't stop in the middle of the song. And uh, so, you're, so you're focused heavily on that. Or So, so there's the challenging side, and then there's, there's, it's, so un, it's so boring and uninteresting that you're not engaged. When you find the middle ground between those two, it can sort of lock in, and you hit, yeah. you hit what, I, you know, what we call a flow state where you, you – you feel this euphoric uh, energy all around you as you're playing and you, you just, you feel the emotion of it. Everything kind of, kind of falls into the background except for what you're doing. And you know, you're, uh, you're it's like, it takes over your body. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, it's a weird thing to like explain to somebody, but for me, it's almost like I, it's almost like my spirit in a way, like, not my body, but my spirit, like, is like a master at drums. Mm. Not that I'm a master, like, not that I'm physically mastering the drum kit when I play, but I feel like, and this is just me personally, and maybe, I don't know if you feel this way too, but I feel like my spirit, like, my spirit tells me I can play anything I want. And then, like, I'll hear a song on the radio in the car and I will automatically like come up with a whole drum part while I'm driving. And I'm not even like trying to focus on that. Mm-hmm. It just pops into my head. Like yeah, it just auto- flows through, right? Yeah. yeah, just automatically. And then it's like, I can go sit at a drum kit and just play it down mm-hmm. and not have to practice it. But it comes from somewhere within that's not physical. And that's, it's hard to explain, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's it's like a mojo or something. <laughs> yeah. I, um, the, when you're playing and you, you find that place, it's like, you're able to do things. And this, I I think this is why it's actually useful to try to find a flow state and whatever you're doing is you, you're able to do things that you, you couldn't do before. Like you will, you will actually try this thing that you, have been scared to try or you didn't feel like you maybe had the technical ability to try and you were holding yourself back from it. And in that moment you go, I'm going to go for it. And then everything's so locked in in your body that sometimes you mess up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's so locked in your body that you, you, you nail it or, or you nail it in some way that's maybe not even quite right, but you're like, okay, that was, that, that was awesome. Anyway, I did something else. I didn't even think I was going to do there. That was interesting. And then, you know, you hit, you, you hit on the beat and then you come back out of it and you fall back into the pocket and it's really, it's, it's, it feels fantastic. Yeah. And the, it's funny you say that cause I'll get the question of, Hey, you did this fill in this video at one minute and 20 seconds. What was the sticking pattern? 
Mm-hmm. And then I, I, one, I can't read music. I know how it works, but I can't read it to save my life. I can't either. I'm glad we're together on that. Yeah. And two, when people ask me those kind of things, half the time I'm like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I have to go back and watch it because I don't know what I did. I don't even know uh, what happened. Yeah. And that, that happened today. Somebody left a comment and I went back and watched it like five times <laughs> trying to figure out what I did. And I could kind of pick it apart, but when it's when it's happening so fast and you know a lot of the times i'm just doing one take covers then i'm just like i don't know what i did there but it turned out really cool Mm -hmm. and that's where that inner like spirit comes from while i'm playing that tells me you can do this and then and some like you said sometimes it doesn't work out you mess up uh but you know probably 75 percent of the time you'll you'll nail it and Mm -hmm. That's what makes the drumming on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. When I don't know if you're uh, you're this way, but if you, I almost I think I don't know what chemicals are involved in this process, but I can imagine endorphins have something to do with it because I will I can like crack my knuckle open while I'm playing, and I won't even realize it until after I'm done. Yeah, like I'll look down, and I was like, oh, there's blood on my drumstick. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I've done that before so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, what's funny, this last year I've been dealing with tendonitis in my right arm, like my entire arm, mm. but I never really noticed it before because, like you said, when you get to playing and you are you just feel that energy, it's like you don't feel any pain whatsoever. Uh, but the older I've gotten, you know, after I'm done playing, I've been like experiencing a lot of pain in my arm. Um, but it's funny because like, while I'm playing, I don't feel it after I'm done playing, I feel it. And it's like, where did that come from? Where is that pain coming from? Mm. And, and, or busting a knuckle open. I've done that too. And there's blood everywhere. And you're like, I didn't even know I was bleeding. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's some science behind it. I'm probably not smart enough to figure it out. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm going to have to look into that because I, I, I'm curious if there's some level of pain masking that, that goes on. <laughs> now, there are times why I would I would be playing on stage and just in, really in the middle of a, an emotional moment, and I smack my knuckle on the snare drum, and, you, and it's like you feel it. And you're like, this is this, – ow. But you – well, for one, you have to keep going, but two, it's like this amazing feeling. You're like a warrior. You're like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't care. I have work to do. <laughs> yes, Great. yes, I totally can relate to that. It's <laughs> awesome, cool man. So, another thing I was curious about was uh, in the realm of practice. What is what does practice look like for you, or what do you try to make it look like? Oh man. Uh... It's different all the time for me. Uh, a lot of people have like a practice routine that they go through and it's the same for them daily or weekly. For me, it's always different just because my, I feel like I live a really busy life. But um, right now, I try to block out one day outside of any paid gigs or playing at church or anything like that uh, to myself in the studio to practice. And then that's when I also try to, to record some videos. But a lot of times those videos I post on Instagram, that is my practice. And, um, 
and that's how the whole Instagram thing started in the first place was uh, I was bored one summer and I was playing a lot of drums, practicing at home and I had a camera and I said, how, how can I evaluate myself to get better? So mm -hmm. I just started recording myself and I started posting them on Instagram. So that's that, how I found you by the way. Oh really? That's cool. Yeah, that's I was I was scrolling through Instagram. I'm always looking for different random drummers. They'll pop up in my explore tab, and I'm just waiting for some filthy fill to happen. And uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I cry a little bit, and then I move on with my day. Uh, so I was I was scrolling through uh, different drummers, and well, I was I was you know scrolling through the the randomness that is Instagram, and then you popped up somewhere along the lines. I was like, oh okay, this guy's got a nice style and his drums sound good. You, you know, your, your mics sound fantastic. You have them tuned well and, uh, you know, good, good quality video and everything. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'll follow this guy. So that's how I found you. There's some data for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, that's really how, how practice is for me. I, I spend about one day a week on my own and – uh, I sit down and just play sometimes. Sometimes I'll, you know, pick out songs to cover and I'll play 20 takes on that song um, for practice. Um, I get a lot of practice at church too. I mean, not even just practicing for the services, but... Um, do, you, do you, so you play on, uh, is it Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever, right? Yeah, I play on Sunday mornings and... Gotcha. Uh, we have a, a larger worship team at our church and uh, there's a lot of diversity when it comes to the musicianship there and a lot of talent there too. Mm -hmm. And so being around people like that who are really good at different styles of music, uh, you know, sometimes we'll get done with the service rehearsal early and then we'll just jam for like 30 minutes. So I kind of get some practice in there um, mm -hmm. as well. And then I play, you know, local gigs a lot and studio sessions for people. And so I think at this point in my life, I'm just playing so much that practice is, is the real thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. the real deal. Mm -hmm. That's whereas, a good place to be. Yeah. Whereas growing up, you know, as a teenager and stuff, I was playing all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. in college, I didn't party. I thought drums were more important. And I literally spent probably two or three hours every evening uh, just playing drums in my room by myself. And I still had a social life, but it was like I didn't care what everybody else was doing. I just wanted when to When you go. say social life, were your, friend, were, your, were your drums your friends? Were you having conversations with the drums? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's okay. Probably. I probably was at some point. No. <laughs> How you no, doing, Claire, I, Tom? Yeah. Do you have a good hey, day, man. Symbol? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess what I mean by that is uh, I didn't, like, limit myself to the point where I didn't have any friends because of drums, but I I definitely skipped out on a lot of, like, the college party stage because I would just would have rather play drums. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, okay, so two points. First off, I think that people don't, people who don't grow up in the church world, they don't, uh, they don't know that growing up in that that type of realm is a, a way to grow because i that's how i grew i i have um 
I have a friend who's a pretty successful creator now. She grew up in, in the you know church production world, and it's a fantastic way to grow as a creative person. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people have a have an experience of church that is um, that is where you don't see that so much. But I think, I mean, you grew up in the type of church world where you know production and lights and music and excellence were highly regarded and so uh, you they would build you know teams of technical um you know people some people who weren't so good but people who are really good at what they were up to and uh, and there's yeah there's a lot to be pulled from that i'm so thankful for my years there the second thing was you were talking about oh no i lost it what was it you were talking about uh Oh yes, um, you spending hours in the e- in the evening time practicing, and one one thing I've learned is that I haven't spent enough time really diligently practicing drums. And at this point in my life, I live in an apartment. I don't even have a drum set here, uh, and and so there was a lot of time in my life where I would I would fiddle, and then there would be a time where I had no drum set to play because I broke all of my previous drum heads and I didn't have money to get, you know, a new one. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any cymbals, what what have you. And I would I would uh not practice. And I certainly could have spent more time diligently practicing in a very focused manner to help myself get more tight. And I'm definitely I I lack as a drummer because I did not spend that time of dedication all of those years up until now, I would be a better drummer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a great drummer, but I would be a better drummer today if I had practiced diligently. And this is why I think if anybody is trying to pursue a craft and they're serious about it, you need to pour in time and effort on a daily basis because five years from now, you will thank you for, for the time that you put in. Yeah, uh, but it's so easy to let that go by and then not put in any time. But you have to think about where you can be in five years if you really dedicate yourself to something. Yeah, you have to be driven, and um, you know, a lot of people just expect to be good at something after doing it for like a month or six months or a year, and then they ask, you know, I'm not getting any better at this. How come? And then you ask them, Well, are you practicing? And they say, uh, maybe once every couple of weeks, or I just haven't had the time because I've been busy at work or school or whatever. And those are, I mean, that's, that's fine. Like I went through school, I worked a lot of jobs during college, but I was so driven that it didn't matter how busy I was, the drum and the practice time was going to fit the schedule. Uh, yeah, it was, it was like a non-negotiable to some yeah. extent. And it still is. And like, even now, like I just got married and so I'm learning like this new lifestyle of, of adapting to somebody else's schedule. Living somebody else's life as well as yours. Yeah. And, but the nice thing is like, my wife is very understanding that I like, this is something I like to do and it's important to me. And if I don't do it, I might go stir crazy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she also has things that she likes to do. And so during the week. Probably less loud things, I bet. Yeah, for sure. She's more of a like a people person. She likes to go hang out with her friends. Mm. Um, and I'm I'm a per- people person too. Uh, 
but we just like have we've worked out this schedule you know to where at least one day a week she goes and hangs out uh with some friends of hers and gets coffee and that's my studio time and mm-hmm. we respect that for each other and it's just a healthy thing to do but i've had to learn you know i went from being single and being able to practice every single night to now living in a apartment just like you and I don't have a drum kit here and uh, I have to find the time and, and being married and, and keeping all these relationships with, you know, your family and your friends. And it, it's crazy. And I'm sure you can relate to that too. Mm-hmm. And any creator, it, whether it, it, whether it's drums or something else, I, I, uh, I'm a big NBA basketball fan and <clears throat> something that I, take away from those guys and interviews and stuff that I watch on YouTube is that they sacrifice a lot of time uh, away from their families um, to pursue their craft. And that's why people like Michael Jordan and, and LeBron and all these people are really good because they get there early and they're there late. And you, you know, their teammates are saying, Oh man, they put the hardest work into the gym and they have kids and they have wives and, and I don't know how they do it. (laughs) And it's like, well, it's because they're really driven and they, it's like, like you said, it's, it's not an option to not do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've, uh, in being married as well and in the process of becoming an adult and trying to actually achieve goals on a real tangible level to see those things actually come to pass in my life. I've learned how important it is to have structure in your life. Like creative types don't tend to be very structured people. They, you, um, free flow is something that we're really into yeah. and just kind of like, where does, where does the wind take us today? Yeah, I'll go over here. And, uh, and there's like tremendous value to that. You can't, you can't get rid of that because you can become overly structured and there are people like that and it's a very bad thing. Yeah. But, if you can find a nice balance and uh, mainly as a creator, you're so deficient, not all of us, you know, you, you might be a, a savant of structure, but for a lot of, for a lot of creators, you're so deficient in that area that you have to spend an enormous amount of time dedicating uh, energy and intentionality towards that so that you can build up a level of, of structure that can help you become the drummer that you want to be, help you be able to, uh, do those fills that you yeah. have been trying so hard to get the the really technical ones that the gospel drummers do that make your head hurt when you watch them yeah. and uh, and being able to just become more well-rounded in general. But I think so many creators sort of play and there is a, there's sort of a ceiling to playing. You have to attach structure to that. And then you also have to attach structure to all of the other areas of your life um, make sure that your, your wife is happy. And if you have kids that your kids are happy and that, uh, that they're, you know, that you're doing something that's good for you and them, not only now, but later in the future. And that you are, uh, that you're taking care, you know, that you're sleeping, that you're taking showers, (laughs) that you're, you're eating food, all of these things. It's like, they all, they, to some extent, you can push some of these things aside in the pursuit of obsession towards this one thing, but there's a limit to that, and you have to you have to find 
you have to find that balance and be very intentional about building that structure in because it will make you a better, more well-rounded creator. I think most uh, most drummers out there that that people would look up to have some sort of structure behind what they're doing, even if it's a, a playful structure, um, some structure behind getting them to the technical brilliance that they're at. Yeah, that's a good point. And and personally, I probably have more structure than most creators do. But at the same time, it's like you could be out eating at a restaurant and as a creator, it's like your mind never shuts off. Mm. And then you get this crazy idea in your head uh, of something or a project that you want to do or something that you're like, oh, this would be really cool. And then you find yourself in this restaurant, but you're like, I can't write it down anywhere. <laughs> and and you kind of like freak out and you have to like figure out where to take this creative energy and store it until you can like use it. Mm. And, and that's kind of been like the challenge for me because I, I do have a lot of structure in my life. That's just kind of the person I am. I like things planned and I like to be on a schedule. Um, but there, it doesn't stop the creative flow. And that's the hardest thing is where do you store the creative energy until you have time to get to it? Mm. And uh, so for me, I, I write a lot of notes on my phone. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I bust myself all the time because I, I also write music. And I like to write songs for my church. And so I get a lot of cool like song ideas and then I forget them. And yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, man, why can't I just remember that thing that I had in my head 20 minutes ago? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, so it was like, like the coolest thing ever. And now I can't remember it because I was busy. <laughs> and, it's like you need like a pocket drum kit. You can just pull out and sit yeah. down on the table in the middle of dinner. Or you can take, I suppose if you go to like a sushi joint, you can take the chopsticks and start playing yeah. on the, the cups and the little, the, the little plate that they put the wasabi in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's, that's interesting. I think that, I think that that is a struggle of the musician uh, that you have to, that these ideas are going to come to you randomly and sort of serendipitously. And it's, you have to find a way to get that out of your body. Yeah, and it's interesting how in all arts and, you know, uh, hobbies or whatever you want to call it, music, it probably is one of the harder ones, especially as a drummer, because you physically can't have a drum kit with you everywhere. Right. And whereas, like, and I don't want to speak on behalf of any creators out there, but when you look at, I have friends that are artists who draw and they paint and they're very good at it but I look at them and it's like sometimes I wish I could do that and I get jealous because they're able to kind of document their ideas more than I can because it's on paper and um it's interesting it's just interesting I, I get jealous of writers because I yeah. love writing uh for one like I think I'm actually when I need to articulate ideas I am more way more natural at creative writing than uh, than even speaking. Like I try I try really hard to develop my ability to communicate with my face, but um 
all of this starts with me writing stuff down. And, but for people who are, you know, full-time blog writers or they, you know, they, uh, what's the term? I think a, a ghost writer is a profession that you can be in. The people that write books, right? You just get in this corner, light a candle and, and, uh, you know, you go into your zone for eight hours with uh, 35 cups of coffee and you just write, you write a graphic novel. And that to me is, is uh, they're so lucky because for one, you can just kind of bring your work with you wherever you go. You can, if you're in a hotel room, you can just kind of open up your laptop and start writing some stuff and you can, uh, it's not restrictive, right? Right. So yeah, I think, I think that there, there's that there's drawing, I think the photography to some extent is that way, especially if you live in a, like if you're a landscape photographer and you live in, for example, Utah, I've decided not to go that route of landscape, <laughs> which is uh, hilarious, but, but considering where I live, but right. people, uh, you know, if you're a landscape photographer in Utah, this is a utopia. You can walk outside, walk 30 feet in any direction and you have a photo. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's like, there are, there are, strengths and weaknesses to every craft i suppose yeah and you know we're uh my wife and i will be looking for a house in the next year or so and and that's something that i told her was whatever you know whichever house we find there has to be a drum room mm. uh because well, and enough room between you and your neighbors right that's the biggest yeah, issue that too <laughs> but yeah my neighbors like, would kill me if i played a drum set in here See my uh, where my studio is at now is at my parents' house, mm. and um, the neighbors over there are pretty cool. <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> they just know because my parents have lived there for like fifteen years, so they just know that Corey's playing drums and yeah. it's, and it's yeah. fine. <laughs> it's fine. Nothing. Yeah. There, there's no apocalypse happening right now. No, they actually enjoy it, which is kind of cool. Your studio is really interesting, though. It's the one you use on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have these prints everywhere. You got like a, you got that one print that says love and there's like, an, but the letters are like an AK 47. Yeah. What is it? A hand grenade, a sword, and then a handgun. Is that right? Yeah. And what's funny is that's not my poster. It's, it's my dad's poster, ah. uh, but I like the poster. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, I think yeah, that's it, what every musician wants is just a a big room surrounded by musical instruments that you can that you can just sit down and go to town yeah it's like can i just have the ability to teleport to a studio right 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 but that it's not only music like athletes and like you said even photographers you got to go out and capture the content Mm -hmm. and that's like the biggest challenge right there because we live in such a busy society that cap going out and actually taking the time to capture the content is the biggest challenge well that's one of the one of the really fantastic things about photography i think drums has its own version of this interestingly enough but photography because it's sort of anti it's it's anti-work in a sense, the anti everything that you're supposed to be doing in society as an adult, because let's say you're a landscape photographer, right? I have a canyon like 15 minutes from here. I can drive up in there and find all sorts of wonderful landscapes. And photography has a level of serendipity built into it where you you kind of have to wait for it. You kind of wander, you look, you hope it comes. Uh, but there's there's this sort of 
collision of you being out there and the right circumstances coming. And this takes time. You can't like, you can't, this isn't a to-do list item, right? You, you sort of, you have to meander, you have to hope for the best. And this is something that is incredibly important, but I think that, that a lot of people would have trouble with that idea, which is why they need to be doing something like that in the first place, because it's good to have something that, that feels unproductive and explorative. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the did. drums you 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 sit you can sit down and say I'm just going to I'm just going to start to fiddle around and nothing in particular comes out of it. You I mean and you can sit down and practice a specific fill or beat I suppose, but a lot of times for me at least it's just I just go in there and try to get sweaty and just listen to music that I really enjoy and and get into it. And uh that that's there's so many other things that you could be doing in your life at that moment to be more quote unquote productive. Yeah. But it's good to have something that feels that doesn't feel like that. I'm not sure why it's like this. It's just like a stress reliever too. Uh, you know, like a therapy in a way. And I always tell my wife, like going and playing the drums, uh, once a week in the studio, is like therapy sometimes because maybe maybe I've had a really bad week or I've just been really busy and I like am can't get my mind off of normal like life things and so going to the studio is like my therapy session the drums are like my counselor in a way mm. <laughs> you know yeah. it's, and, cool. it's good to have something that uh, too that you're completely- I don't talk to them though you know, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll be the judge of that. Uh, so, uh, you, one day we're going to have a live stream of you. You're going to be playing drums and you're going to get done and you're going to forget. You're going to think that you turned it off. I'm sorry. I hit you so you hard. Said, I, <laughs> I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm yeah. Sorry, I tore a hole in your face. <laughs> uh, but there's some, uh, there's something incredibly valuable about, doing something that requires you to be totally present too. And yeah. music is, is one of the, the best versions of this that life has to offer specifically when you're playing with other people, because you have to stay with them. So the yeah. music, you can't just like flip, you can't just like pause your iPhone. Right. And so it forces you to be completely engaged in that moment, which is something we have a hard time doing as humans. Yeah. And so that's probably why it's so therapeutic is because you have to, you, you have to, you have to forget about the rest of life for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You say, uh, be present. Um, that's something, something that I learned at, um, church actually, uh, is they, we kind of have this motto, um, that, that, uh, you want to be present to the presence of something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like nature, for example, is always there. Like nature has presence 24 seven to Mm -hmm. everybody, but it's up to you if you're going to be present to it. Yeah. And uh, decide to make a connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the drum, you know, my drum set is always going to have presence uh, but I've got to make myself present to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's a fantastic way to put that. I, I think that's that's really interesting. I'm going to write that, that down somewhere. 
Yeah, and it's not just with drums either. It, it you can adapt that to anything, mm-hmm. even relationships. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you have a wife, it's like, how many times have you not been present to the presence of your wife? <laughs> it's, right. It's a, it can be a very difficult task when they're you know they're kind of sitting on the couch like they that like they were the last time you went in the room. And it's like yeah. you're all they're all, you're always around each other, so you forget how beautiful that presence is yeah yeah that's 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 it's absolutely right i think that um i think for some people that comes very natural and for some people it doesn't i struggle with that when it because my brain is very analytical and whenever i'm doing something whenever i'm practicing a craft I have to be very intentional about getting myself into a place of emotional presence and, and kind of letting letting the the um, analytical half of my brain chop it off and push it over here for a little bit that's that's really hard to do but i think that is an important component to being an artist for all sorts of different reasons yeah i couldn't agree more mm-hmm. so uh back to the practice idea i'm curious what what is the value well first off how much do you actively utilize this idea of repetition and what is the value of that for you and trying to accomplish something uh for rep as far as repetition and the value in that um i think repetition for me it just keeps me faithful and honest to the craft um you know if for me repetition looks like every tuesday I'm going to the studio, I'm practicing, I'm filming videos for people to watch. But if I miss a week, uh, it's not the end of the world, but I kind of feel like a piece of me like is missing Mm. um, until I can get back to it. Mm. And so for me, the repetition is more uh, me being faithful to the craft and making sure that I'm making time for it. Um, kind of sounds funny to put it that way uh it's and it's not like i worship like the drums or anything like that but in a way you could you could put it that way if you want to um, i think if, it's interesting you use this language of sort of having a uh, responsibility to the thing to the craft yeah. to the drums not not that the drums are going to get mad I, we're really leaning towards you having conversations with drums Corey. i think that's what happens whenever nobody's watching <laughs> well i think even now nowadays it's kind of a little different because now that you i have the following online i have all these people watching and they expect something from me and the responsibility of them yeah and there's that responsibility that i've never had before uh whereas before the responsibility was to myself and to my uh to your goals maybe friends and goals and and to my church family to be there for them and now it's turned into now i have the responsibility to make sure that everybody watching online has new content to watch and they enjoy it and but at the same time i have to find the balance of making sure that i'm not here to really be a people pleaser either because i want to be happy myself and i don't want uh the online 
uh, presence to ruin my repetition. Um, and it's not, but I don't want it ever to get to that point where, Mm -hmm. where I feel like if I don't do something, people are going to hate me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that rep, the repetition is really important, but it has to be, uh, looked at through the right lens, having a following just because, Mm -hmm. and, and I love providing content for people, uh, but I don't want to be focused on everybody else. I want to be focused on myself and making sure that those around me, all those things come first um, before I focus on the followers. But, Mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, so in another, speaking to another version of repetition, what about technical repetition towards accomplishing a goal that you have for you as a drummer? Meaning if you want to get a fill right doing that over and over until it feels right. Yeah. Repetition is important when it comes to that kind of stuff. Cause for me, if there's a fill I'm trying to learn, um, I usually slow it down just like probably anybody else would. Uh, and I'll sit and play it really slow and then I'll just build it with speed and then I've got it down. And then See, I, I, start, I start by speeding mine up. I make it as fast as possible. So, and I think that's why I probably succeed so much. <laughs> I just take whatever fill it is and make it 350 beats. Oh gosh. Yeah, I've you never learned how to play any fill. It's horrible. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, I mean, just like anybody else, repetition's important. Uh, unless you're just like crazy good and you can hear something and play it. Uh, and sometimes that happens, but... There's, I mean, I like to watch uh, Luke Holland. He does a lot of cool fills. Mm-hmm. And I like to watch his breakdown videos. And um, the interesting thing for me is if I watch it enough times, I can almost have it in my head and know that I can do it. And that inner spirit comes out that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've watched it 50 times now. I should be able to play this, even yeah. though I've never tried it. Uh so it's just interesting. Or, but sometimes I just go straight to the kit and I try to hash it out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think even if uh, you're not practicing actively towards repetition, meaning that your practice is sort of playful and you're just playing music that you enjoy, uh, the repetition is incredibly important for just building up the simple, the simple muscle memory to get yeah. your arms and your legs to do what you, you need them to do. And this applies to any craft that you're yeah. that you're taking part in the muscle memory uh, also applies from a from a mental perspective. If you're trying to, if you're a photographer and you're trying to take photos and get your composition right, getting your mind to put the camera in the right spot and getting your whole body to go into the right place to capture uh, the right framing, getting the uh, you know, uh, fi- sort of navigating yourself to the right place to capture light in the right way and all of this, it comes through repetition and building. It's, it's the things that you don't have to think about. Yeah. yeah and I definitely. think as, as, a, as a creator, we, we, when we sort of level up as a, as a creative type of person, we forget about everything that happened behind us to get us there. And then we go, this isn't, this is my arms. Just do this. This isn't muscle memory. Right. But yeah. your arms only do that because you spent hours and hours and hours 
yeah teaching them how to do that and make it not feel mechanical and stiff yeah it's like riding a bike you know sure i mean you when you first learn how to ride a bike you can't do it and then you take the training wheels off and you're like i can't do this i'm not ever gonna do this and then you do it a hundred times and then you you know after so many years of riding a bike now you can just get on a bike mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and ride it and right before that as a kid and we experience this nowadays with everything that we try that's new right before that was the scariest moment of your life yeah You're like i'm going to die if i try this <laughs> yeah and right after that moment as soon as you have that breakthrough and you sort of well you spend the extra time to get actually you know proficient at it and it gets it becomes natural it becomes so incredibly easy but like going back to um like a baby when they're learning how to walk there's it's an incredibly technical process walking if you and it, i sort of reference the like robots in my in my brain where like they would build these robots and they're trying to teach them how to walk and all these algorithms and, yeah. and technical codings go into getting the the robot to move their legs in the right you know the right speed and get their you know get it to land on the right part of the foot and all this stuff and we do this very naturally but it's all built on a rep i have a fly trying to attack my face <laughs> uh it's all built on on repetition and and doing this, the same thing over and over until it's boring and very frustrating and maybe you don't ever want to do it again yeah yeah repetition's important i mean and it might it might seem monotonous uh but you just have to know that it's it'll get you somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, now I want to talk about, uh, I learned just today, I was looking through some of your videos that you have a partnership with Remo. And for everybody who doesn't know this, Remo is, they make drum heads and this sort of thing. And it's like, a, you know, it's like a skateboarder becoming a pro skateboarder and partnering with a brand, this sort of thing. And uh, so how did that come about for you? Uh, it's actually kind of interesting. Um, about, I'd say like two years ago when I started, I started doing videos online three or four years ago now. And about two years ago, I had, I had a decent following. Um, and this was around the time that I was like, I wonder if I can get any sponsors. So I just started reaching out to these companies, um, filling out trying to get money or just free stuff, just stuff, just gear, <laughs> just stuff. Cool. I just wanted gear. And, um, and, and because I like drumming so much, I don't even care about money, you know, I mean, I do to a certain degree, but <laughs> it's important to, to allow important you to, to have money. About money, right? Right. Um, but reaching out to these companies, it wasn't about money. It was just about, Hey, is there any way you can help me out? And I reached out to Remo a couple of years ago, uh, and filled out, you know, the application or whatever to be an artist. And I got like, I think I got one of those automated responses or whatever that was like, at this time we cannot endorse you or whatever. And that was totally cool and, and I, no hard feelings to Remo, but I kind of gave up with the sponsorship thing. I was like, you know, if anybody's going to sponsor me, they'll just approach me. 
Uh, and so actually a, a couple months ago, well, about a month ago, it wasn't too long ago. Um, they had, uh, reached out to me email via email, I believe is that, or it was a direct message. I can't remember. Um, and basically just said, um, Hey, we'd like you to join the team Remo family. Um, and long story short, uh, two of the guys that work there that are kind of higher up are followers of mine on Instagram. And I didn't know this at the time. They just follow me on their personal accounts. And they'd email me and said, Hey, we we follow you on Instagram. We'd love for you to be a part of the team Remo family. So they just randomly reached out to you. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how the conversation got started. And the funny thing, and, and this is so weird how this happened, but the funny thing is that I got the email and I replied and I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to be a part of the team Remo family. That's like every drummer's dream, you know? And, and so I, I'm emailing them and I'm getting everything worked out and I'm getting them all the media stuff so they can put me on the website and, and signing my contract and everything. And then one of their reps reached out to me on Instagram in a direct message while all this was going on. Never talked to this girl before in my life. Never, never seen her or anything. Never seen her username or anything like that. She uh, messaged me that same week and said, hey, I work at Remo and I would love to endorse you. And I was like, well, that's great. I just got endorsed yesterday by Remo. So it was just like, <laughs> it, it was kind of a funny thing because it was like, if those guys didn't follow me and, and reach out to me, it was going to happen either way. Yeah. 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 So that was really cool. But that's kind of how that happened. And that is how, that's how life works though, right? You'll have this dark yeah. period and then you'll have 11 opportunities come up within a 24 hour span. Yeah. That's exactly. crazy. Yes. And um, I think that, that, so what, what do you think was helped you land that? What do you think were the things that happened in the background to help that actually happen? I think um, obviously having a big following helps um, and just having that exposure um, to a lot of drummers and, and uh, cause that's the thing. If you go to my Instagram or my YouTube channel, it's really all drummers. Um, mm. There's not a lot of, if you look at the demographics of my followers, there's not a lot of people that do not play drums. And it's really, it's really interesting to me. Um, but I also only post about drums. And so mm. I think um, one of the things uh, is that my platforms are so catered to the drum community that it's a, it's a great way for companies like Remo to, to promote their products because they know that all the followers on my account, like 90% of them are drummers. Yeah. Well, that's their perfect audience. Yeah. And, and they're, most of them are young and aspiring drummers or, or guys that have been around for a long time, but maybe they, um, fell off the drum wagon for a while and they're getting back into it. And so I think it's just the inspiration that I'm able to provide through these social media platforms. But, you know, the same thing happened with Piesty too. This, uh, 
you know, I was, I was endorsed with another symbol company Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just wasn't, things were kind of happening there that I won't go into that I just wasn't happy about. And I just didn't feel comfortable in that situation. And I remember thinking, what do I do? Do I reach out on my own to these other symbol companies or do I just put my head down? Don't have any contact with anybody and just keep playing these products because I can't afford to buy new symbols. And so that's what I did. And the funny thing is I got an email actually from Istanbul, uh, you know, probably four or five months ago now. Uh, from the drum a company, not the country for anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the drum company, not the country. Just got an email from Istanbul the other day. <laughs> yeah, the president emailed me. <laughs> That's cool. That's exciting. I didn't know you liked to play drums. <laughs> and But yeah, so I got an email from them out of nowhere, uh, out of the blue. And the guy was just like, hey, we'd love for you to join our team and endorse you. And And I was like, at first I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is what I was looking for. They they make good symbols too. They do. I used to play them actually. Yeah. And uh, I the ones I've heard from them are primarily pretty sort of washy. Yeah. But they make more like pingy types of stuff too. Yeah, I played their dark um, series symbols, and they were almost too dry and dark. Mm. But they're still great symbols. I mean, they're a great company too, yeah. but. It, at the time, like the sound of a good dry washy symbol for me. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And That's and they, I can't remember what the ride symbol was called that I had. It was it was almost perfect. Yeah, um, almost hard to find a perfect ride symbol too. Yeah, it's it's like one in a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, going back to the story, I I just for some reason didn't feel comfortable with that either. I don't know why, because I love Istanbul, but I just was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with any endorsements right now. I don't want to switch contracts. I don't want to go through all the hassle. I feel like you, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you seem like somebody who doesn't want to get sort of over encumbered with business and and um, yeah, contracts yeah. and such. I don't, unless it's unless it's something that's, gonna help me out you know yeah mm-hmm. uh, like remo they reached out to me and they've been very supportive and that's something that is gonna help me tremendously in my drumming career to have uh availability to their products 24 7 you mm-hmm. know if i need something i just email my rep and say i really i need this stuff by this date and that's really cool but when there's companies out there that they're just kind of looking for handouts almost like they, they'll still offer you stuff, but they're more so there just to try to get their name out there, which is fine. That's what endorsements are for. There's, there's no uh, sort of authentic relationship to be built. Now I got a fly in, in my face. Oh, maybe it's my fly. Maybe I sent <laughs> it through the I interwebs. Through the screen. I think it maybe uh, maybe it flew in my USB port a second ago. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. There's no uh, authentic feel, and I and I make decisions based off how I feel sometimes, which isn't the best. But um, <laughs> but 
it can you know? be it can be a strength and a weakness that <laughs> well and you got to look at the brand of a company and what they represent and do you want to represent that as well and i was a pr major in school and so i learned all about branding and and mm-hmm. so i try to protect my own brand a little bit and so at the time istanbul reached out i just i don't know i just was like i don't want to deal with it yeah and and i think i was a little mad just about another situation i was going through as far as endorsements and so that was probably part of it but the cool thing is like two months later, I got a call from Peisty and um, kind of like the Remo thing, they called me and they said, we'd really like to have you on our team. Yeah, yeah. And I felt the authentic want from them that they actually cared about what I was doing as an, as a drummer and not just about getting their products out there and their name out there because Peisty and Remo are big companies. They don't, to be honest, they don't need me. They don't they don't need me to promote. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but they don't need me to promote their products. Mm. Um well they, I think that that all of the uh, the marketing that any company does these days is through these the let's say the useful marketing is through uh small creators who have a decent sized following of people who are specifically catered to what they're to they're the specific audience that they need. Yeah. And you're right on that. I think that for, for somebody like you, it's like, if you have, let's just say you have a thousand people that really, Oh my gosh, I broke everything. <laughs> and let's just say that you have a thousand followers that are really dedicated now this obviously this isn't the number that represents your following but let's say within that number there are only a thousand people who are seriously dedicated to the to to playing drums they really enjoy it they are the perfect audience for Paisti or Remo or Istanbul and uh, that is extremely valuable to those companies and it's like when they work with you you're you're building an authentic trusting relationship with your people and they need you to because they're not they're they're not right uh they're maybe they're trying to on their own but it's a different kind of relationship than you're able to achieve and uh so i think that these companies really need to be utilizing more and i think most companies to some extent have come around to that but yeah, it's funny because because uh, there's there's other big companies out there that um, I cannot name names, but um, <laughs> there's other companies out there who have emailed me and said we will not endorse you, but we need help with our marketing, mm. and in return they will give me products or pay me or whatever to promote something but i'm not directly promoting it in a way that you know about it and uh it's just interesting because it's like some of the drum companies out there haven't quite figured out yet that social media and online is like pretty much equally important as touring touring is 
Oh yeah, sure. And sure. and uh, that's well, a think big... about think about the the amount of people that see it on a daily basis for, versus the amount of people that may go to see a band. Yeah, exactly. Online, like uh, through you and through all the other drummers uh, that are out there online, I mean, it's like yeah, millions and millions of people. Yeah, and they, and they better be getting a hold of them. That's a big. That's kind of a hot topic right now in the drum world. I don't know if you really have followed that, but. I've been in some conversations online with touring drummers who even play with big names who they're either mad or maybe a little bit envious because they're not getting the endorsements they feel they should get. And then there's Mm -hmm. people like me who don't tour full time that are getting these endorsements. Yeah. they're They're not leveraging the internet. They're not. And if you can do both, then you've got it made. But sure. but yeah, it's interesting that the way marketing is going for anything, like you said, not even just drums, but uh, you know, a lot of people are utilizing YouTubers and vloggers. Mm-hmm. And I see I know the NBA, they utilize a lot of vloggers and they pay them to go to the games and they they do vlog videos and mm-hmm. then they post them on YouTube. And well, it, because that's it, it, what that's what the younger generation is watching. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mention uh, sort of t- using the internet and using the traditional means of actually, you know, uh, people seeing you live and the normal ways that bands would always do things. Uh, I'm fascinated with Post Malone because he's he's yeah. he is a he is a brand. He is a logo of a person <laughs> like. He's got tattoos all over himself. He's got, he just got some new ones on his face. He's he's an incredibly unique looking character. He's got crazy hair. Uh, his video, his music videos are almost hilarious. They're so ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, like I just, I was just introduced to his music videos the other day. I was like, what is happening? There's samurai <laughs> swords. He's driving a tank, and so he's like a he's a master of branding, but. He's a good example of this where, I mean, of course he's playing live shows all the time. Yeah. But he is masterfully uh, utilizing the internet and Twitter and YouTube. And he's on, he's on uh, podcasts and he's just this really interesting laid back fellow. He has a personality. And so he puts himself out there in all of these, in all of the smart ways and it served him well. Yeah. Exactly. And excuse me, that's, that's the thing that some people don't realize how powerful the internet is yet. And I don't know, for me, it's, I don't, I would have never dreamed of accomplishing some of the things I've done uh, in a life, you know, in my whole lifetime. But then now that the internet has like blown up, and there's this platform to release videos and Instagram and YouTube and even uh, I've been doing some Reddit stuff and I don't know. It's just opened up a whole nother world and I've built relationships through Instagram. I've met um, well-known drummers. I've gotten free tickets to concerts. I've, I've gotten to do all these cool things just because of being online. Mm. And it's crazy because some people could say that it, the internet is is fake and you know not everything's true on the internet and that's there's truth to that too but mm-hmm. 
but there's also real people behind those phones mm-hmm. and utilize. That's why I like Instagram so much because it's still like a mobile thing and it's, it's more honest than Facebook or Twitter. Did you, did you hear that they're playing around with the idea of allowing you to upload an hour of video to Instagram? No. There you go, dude. You can play a whole concert. That would be crazy. I don't know how I feel about that yet. <laughs> I don't know either. It's very strange, but I th- it could be, yeah. It they, could be they're definitely going to have to allow you to move the playhead. <laughs> yes, I think it would be a good thing if if Instagram stays a, a mobile app. Mm, I know. I I like the. It's weird because we always like the current state of things. I really enjoy what Instagram is and uh, how unique it is as, as a platform compared to like a YouTube or, you know, or any other thing, Twitter, any other thing that's out there. But one good thing about it is that they will, if they do this and they do this well, they would be a competition to YouTube. And I think yeah. YouTube needs a competitor right now because YouTube is a monolith. Like it's, it can do whatever it wants. And I'm kind of interested in that for the sake of competition and everything getting better. But I also don't know. I it's yeah. I don't know how I feel about watching an hour of video on Instagram. Yeah. I think uh, the only way I'd watch it is if it was like a concert or maybe a podcast like this or, or uh yeah, I don't know. I definitely I like YouTube, but I only watch YouTube if I'm pretty much on my computer. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, I watch it on my phone too, but I like coming home and getting on my laptop and watching random stuff. Mhm. Um so I don't know. I think it'd be good though for YouTube to have a competitor. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. Cuz I and I'm sure you've uh, read about all the changes YouTube's made and all the small creators are kind of getting screwed over a little bit. Um, well, the, the bigger ones, I think, are struggling with uh, with views, too. Like, I yeah. think that and I don't I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff. I'm sort of I'm sort of in the camp of things are always going to change. And the best thing to do to sort of set yourself up against that is to do the things that have always worked throughout history. Whenever somebody's trying to grow something, I think like the best example of this is what we're doing right now. Collaboration. Yeah. Uh, Because that has worked for thousands of years. That's how people get anything done in life. (laughs) Yes. So so, yeah, YouTube's going to do all sorts of weird stuff and who knows, maybe it'll get so bad that the people start leaving the platform. And, and if, Instagram comes around and and what they do is amazing. People people might have half a mind to jump over there and be like, "Buy YouTube because you you know you're you know but people are being demonetized and all sorts of stuff like this <laughs> and their, their views are their views are going uh, down and all the chronological stuff that's going on. Uh, but yeah, I don't spend a lot of time. I don't I, I don't know I don't know as much as a lot of people do because i just don't obsess about that stuff but yeah certainly something to keep an eye on i guess i think if instagram does move to an hour video they 
probably would have to develop their their web um, version of Instagram a little bit. For sure. I think that could benefit them even, but I do like the fact that it's mainly mobile and there's not a lot of spam on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the way that they handle ads is really nice. It's yes. Not, it's not horribly intrusive, and you can actually tell them to – you can make the ads go away if you don't like yeah. a particular ad for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, but it's also – it's like you have to serve the – they have to figure out how to do that and still serve the photographer community as well because uh, photos is the sort of the DNA of Instagram. You yeah. know, there, there was a time – when you couldn't, I can't, I can barely remember this time. I was second guessing myself. You couldn't upload videos to you, to Instagram at one point and your photos had to be square. And now they're they're They have videos. You can upload uh, all sorts of different photo ratios and, and it's, and everything's changed. It's weird how you forget what happened like three days ago. Like, yeah. when, you know, when they make, when they go through this big UI update and everything shifts Everybody was complaining about it. This sucks. But then a week later, nobody remembers how it used to look. Yeah, so and works. when I started Instagram, uh, you you could upload videos, but it was 15 seconds. Mm. And uh, that was like three or four years ago. And Instagram was not cluttered with any drum content. And um, now that it's, well, even when back when it was 15-second videos, that's when it started gaining popularity and people started watching my videos and other people's videos. But then when it changed to a minute, I feel like that's when the... The floodgates opened. The floodgates opened and everybody's posting drum videos. Yeah. Well, and it's like 15, you know, uh, 15 30 seconds to a minute is a really, uh, really perfect amount of time for a drum video because a lot of drum videos the they sort of have the life of, of of a pretty short snippet especially if it's something that you that you know if you're trying to do a really interesting technical fill and you want people to see it it's it's really nice to to engage with instagram or engage with drum videos in that way like for me if i'm scrolling through instagram and i'm just I'm like splur tab. I see a, somebody playing drums and I like a lot of it has to do with like if their drum set looks really nice and the way that it's set up is nice. And, you know, maybe they have a nice wood rim snare or something. And I'm like, Ooh, okay, let's check this out. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll, you know, I'll click on it and I'll watch it for 10 seconds. And I'm like, Oh, this is, and if it's really good, I'll, I'll stick around for a little bit. And then you just scroll to the next thing. It's, it's got a really nice flow to it. Yeah, and uh, I think a big thing for me is audio too. Like Instagram is a really visual platform, but when if you're using it for drums, the audio's got to be just as good as the as the video because yeah, sure. Because and you can tell like just iPhone audio doesn't cut it, and and uh, you know sometimes like a GoPro will cut it because the audio is compressed, and but that's what I found is I started posting videos, um, but syncing the audio to them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what took off for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to, Oh, once you sync up the, uh, once you seek up your mics and get them like make your audio step up to a new level, that's when it gets really, really fun. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's something I've been focusing on this week is, uh, 
Hi, nice, Spider. <laughs> my apologies. To, oh, you're good. Is how to get my mixes better, and uh, that's something I always struggle with. But mm-hmm. so I've been, you know, diving into parallel compression and all these things and pro tools that I've never experienced before. So it's a whole new world, but it's, whole new, that's what I was about to say. I was about, <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. It's a whole new world. Yeah. Exactly. I, uh, dude, I, it's weird. I'll fiddle around with audio stuff. And then I watch somebody who really knows how to EQ audio. Like for example, do you know who Jacob Collier is? No. Okay. He's a musician. He's a, he's jazz well, I'll say jazz pianist, but also jazz everythingist. He's he's one of those guys that can play anything you put in his hand. But he he will do these long form live streams, which are really fascinating. Where he'll build a song. It's like two hours of him just building us building a song, and the stuff he'll do with the effects. I was like, I didn't know that existed. Like, because I've always wondered how people do uh, different things with vocal with vocal sounds and you know reverb and all this stuff and it's like the combination of five different effects that provides this sound that you always hear that you never knew how to do and then you realize you're just completely incompetent as a sound engineer (laughs) yeah there's a ton of stuff that goes into audio engineer i mean yeah i've only touched the surface Mm. i probably i'd say i've probably done more than that but it's taken up. That's like the thing I really had to teach myself. I was not gifted with uh, mixing skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, well, one of the good things for me as a creative person is to bump into people who are not too uptight about the technicalities. Because when you when you're growing up, you tend to run into a lot of people who sort of do things the right way, and then they they let you know that you're supposed to do things the right way too. And and it and you feel sort of incompetent because you don't do things that way and you're kind of just fine with doing things the wrong way. And that can be really difficult if you're a young person and you're trying to become a creator. It really throws a, a monkey wrench in your brain, so to speak, because you think, Oh am I am I not am I not a good creator because I don't sort of set up my mics you know, with the right getting 45 degrees and whatever. And if I, and you know, I don't use the proper effects and I think it's important to remember that you don't, what I've learned as I've gotten older is that a lot of that stuff is a bunch of crap. You don't have to do that stuff. There's value to doing it the right way. And sometimes you do need to see where you should do it the right way and where you're being held back because you're doing it the wrong way. But that's not the most important thing. And I've spoken to more and more creator creators as I've gotten older who sort of just wing it. <laughs> they, they just yeah. kind of make it. Or specifically, you, this is why I love the YouTube community because a lot of these people are just throwing stuff together and they're hoping for the best and they, they barely know how to turn their camera on, but they're making videos that, that they can tell a story and that's what matters. And... Um, it's important to get around people like that if you feel like you're supposed to be more perfect than you are. Yeah, I actually had a guy one time message me and he he was like, hey, um, you should try moving your lights um, around because I can see them in the reflection of the, the, the frames on the wall behind you. Mm. And uh, he's super nice about it. Like, 
it was totally fine. But I remember just thinking, yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't really care that you can see the reflection behind me. Yeah. Um, because the video is still well lit. And to be honest, I am more focused on just the drum aspect of what I'm doing. But it's funny because, you know, it's like somebody comes along and they they want to like and sometimes they're just wanting to help. And I think that's what this guy was doing. He's super nice about it. But, yeah, it's just funny. It's like, you know, if you do it this way, uh, it's a lot better. But mm -hmm. it's like, well, I found that this way works for me. So I'm just going to leave it alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, there's so many things that I do that are s sort of the wrong way. And I get around other people who, um, and sometimes I learn from the people. Sometimes I go, Oh, that actually is probably a better way to go about doing that. But, yeah. but a lot of times you have to learn as a, as a, an artist, what, when you need to care about what other people are thinking and when what you're doing it's just fine. And that their way is not the right way. It's their way. Yeah. And that's a hard distinction distinction to make. It is. I, I, for me, it's just knowing what I'm bad at and, and what I'm good at. And, you know, I know that I could be way better with my audio and my drum mixes. So if there's somebody out there that, can help me with that then i'll glad i'm all ears but it when it comes to like like uh setting up my drums there's people that'll be like hey your cymbals are too low or uh you know if you angle your snare you can hit it a little bit better and it's like no <laughs> this is how I want them set up because this is, you know, this is how I grew up playing. This is what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. and, that, and you have to remember that there are so many, there's so many prolific musicians and creators throughout time that have done things extremely wrong. And a lot of times those things become the new right because, because everybody else said, Oh, that's interesting. They're they're You know, they're, they they flip the symbol over or something like this, right? You yeah. flip the symbol over and now you have a uh, now you have a what are those called? What's the ch ch? I'm the uh, China hey. symbol. Yeah, China symbol. Um, uh, I'm sure that's not exactly how that occurred, but just for <laughs> you know hypothetical examples, uh, a lot of times the the old wrong when when people were trying that thing, they were scrutinized for trying that thing, but now it is. It, it you would be wrong if you didn't do it that way that's how history works and that's how people work yeah i couldn't agree more i mean i look at uh like buddy rich you know like he started the whole tilting your snare away from you yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and now like when somebody does that they're like oh yeah but that's buddy rich style mm -hmm. and it's like it's okay because he did it <laughs> mm -hmm. which you i know? i ought to look into this but i feel like i feel like maybe when he started doing that people were looking at him like what what is why would you ever do that like yeah. because it, it's not really a natural positioning unless you have figured out how to make that work no or like i don't know if you uh have heard of the drummer by the name of daru okay 
Daru Jones. He uh, started on Instagram, and he tilts his snare like Buddy Rich style, but he also tilts his floor tom that way and mm-hmm. his cymbals. Mm-hmm. There's a- so everything is like it looks like it's upside down. Yeah, and but he like is so comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. The the drummer for uh, Jack White. That's him. Yeah. The, is that him? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. I just didn't know the name. Yeah. That's and I I saw him play live one one time well online, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what's weird is when you watch another drummer play with such a weird configuration, it's hard to enjoy it because you're like, I can't imagine myself being able to play that. Like, it, it's it's awkward. It's strange. But he has a very unique style. Yeah, and it's like a part of his brand. Mm, yeah sure 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 like when you see a picture of a drum kit and it's set up like that you're automatically like you think of him uh, yeah that's daru yeah <laughs> you know yeah that's it's like i i could start filming videos and have my ride symbol up to the ceiling and <laughs> be like jumping for it right and people would be like you know well people would probably think that's ridiculous that's but, Corey uh, style yeah, that's Corey's style. <laughs> that, dude, you just have to do it faithfully for long enough and with enough confidence, and then that's it. Everybody's doing it. Now it's not. Now it's completely impractical, but yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, right? Yeah. You look at those '80s drummers, man. I that that made no. It makes no sense to me how some of those people set up their drum kits. Yeah, I don't um, get it. You watch, uh, like me and my wife. We, me and my wife, love to listen to Toto, the band. Yeah. And uh, there, if you ever watch them live, he has these two, I think they're both China symbols that are like, you know, 11 feet off the ground that he like <laughs> throws his arms all the way up into the air, has to, you know, jump to hit them. Yeah. But that, that was the thing. And it was a lot of it was just stylistic, I suppose. Or Michael Jackson's drummer. They, he just did a video on Drumeo. Did you see that? No, I I haven't seen the video. I saw, uh, I think I saw it on Instagram though. He's got like two symbols directly behind him Mm -hmm. back here. And he like does that. (laughs) So like he's playing this groove and then he's just like, and I'm like, what the heck? Would you imagine showing up to like, uh, you're like, you're getting together with a jazz ensemble and then you're bringing in your drum kit and it takes you an hour and a half to set up. And then you have this this nonsensical amount of symbols around you and they're all 30 (laughs) feet off the ground and you have a gong. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, well, I wonder where I wonder. So I, I particularly love the sort of jazz setup of drums where you have a rack Tom up here and a floor Tom down here and you have the snare and it's like, I feel like a long for a long time, I don't know. I wonder how that made its way into rock and all the other types of music that were out there. Or where did it start first, I guess? I've never really looked into that. I I don't know for sure, but I mean they were setting drums up that way in the sixties. Yeah. And uh in the seventies and I, I don't know. I think it was always like that mm. Mm. i don't know though it'd be interesting to, to find out where that started but it stood the test of time i think because it's so practical it's a very practical way to set yeah, up it's, drums. it's almost more comfortable than having the two rack toms and you know right I, I don't know it's just yeah it's like nowadays there's 
more drummers that just play with one rack tom probably like 80 percent of drummers you know yeah yeah and yeah i don't know for me it's just a comfort thing i'm so glad i don't live in the 80s because i've never liked that style of of uh uh rush what's his name oh uh neil pert neil pert yeah i've never liked the style of having a drum set that you have to you have to rent a semi truck yeah to bring it to the venue you have to spin around in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I really like, and I here soon I'll have another drum kit like this, but um, I like two floor toms. Oh, so sure. Yeah. I like having a rack tom and two floor toms. Mm-hmm. That's my preferred setup. I don't have that right now, but I'll, I'm getting a new drum kit soon and that will, it'll be that setup. Oh, that'll be exciting to watch. Okay, yeah. we're we're getting into the weeds of technicality and drumness. So, <laughs> um, uh, well, another thing that I wanted to ask you was, uh, what are some of your current struggles as a growing musician right now? What do you what do you struggle with? Um, like practical or uh, on a well, it could be it could it could absolutely be practical, but I I would love to hear sort of on a deeper level like what you're trying to accomplish and your goals and and maybe something that you're running into a wall with maybe. uh right <clears throat> excuse me right now um i kind of feel like plateaued a little bit when it comes to my my skill level and uh i think part of that is just because i'm in an apartment right now and i and like we talked about earlier i don't have that access to the drum kit as much as I used to and so I just don't have the time to like experience and practice new things and get to that next level so that's been a challenge and um, hopefully that'll change soon when I get a house but um, another thing would be you know like one of my goals is to go on like a full-time tour and uh, with somebody and I don't know who that would be with and it would have to be the right opportunity for me now that I'm like married and and I'll probably have a family in the next five years. What kind of music would you lean towards if you wanted to find a band to go on tour with? Um, I don't know. Probably either uh, just like either rock, like alternative rock or uh, hip hop. Hip hop. Okay, that's interesting. Just because yeah. of the the sort of tight, interesting beats. Yeah, I really there's something about just like hip hop beats or rap beats that like just laying down a tight beat is like satisfying. Mm. I like so, I love I love when people take these pretty simple beats and add just some some dirtiness to it and like just yeah these these sort of off beat uh, hi hat hits and the, the yeah it's in a little bit of the wrong way but it's so perfect. I think that if uh, if I had to pick somebody to tour with, um, I'm a huge John Mayer fan. Okay. I, like, I really like his trio stuff and like his Continuum album. Mm-hmm. I would love to tour with him just because he's so versatile and every every night of his tours are different. Um, but just those raw artists like that, I would probably want to tour with somebody like that. Or even just a pop artist. I mean, just playing pop songs. Really, I I think the main thing 
for touring as I, I love traveling too. And I've, I've traveled a lot. Um, but I would like to travel some more. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I can travel and play drums while being able to provide financially, then, uh, that would be like a, a goal of mine for a little bit. I don't know if I would do it forever, but, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that I've always wanted to do. I've done tiny tours and I've done fly out gigs. Um, I did fly out gigs through college. So I would go to school all week and then I would fly out on Friday um, somewhere uh, with a band or an artist. And then I would fly home Sunday after playing shows over the weekend and then go back to school. So I've done that. That's really tiring though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, like a full on tour is something I want to experience. Um, have you thought of uh, have you thought about the steps that will get you from here where you are now feeling plateaued and not on tour to feeling less plateaued and more on tour? Yeah, I think one of them would probably be moving um, to a city that's more has a bigger music scene. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I have friends that have gotten touring gigs from being online or just knowing the right people. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing the right people is the biggest thing. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, about a month ago on the phone. He um, he owns a big company uh, called Big Fat Snare Drum. And little did I know, I've known this guy for like two or three years now. And little did I know that he's like a, a touring manager for a bunch of big artists. And so he was like, tell me about all this stuff. And, you know, I was like, dude, if you ever need a drummer, please like call me because I would like to go on a tour sometime and just experience what that's like. Mm. And so that right there is probably the biggest connection that you could make to get to achieve that goal. But I think just knowing more people in the industry and, you know, if I was going to move, I would move to somewhere like Nashville or, or LA or, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Chicago, New York, something like that, but I don't plan on moving. So I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know how well that goal would is attainable, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's like, you almost, it's weird how life works where you spend a lot of time thinking about what if you did that and maybe I should do that. And then one day you're just like, maybe, and for me, a lot of times the catalyst is actually visiting the place that I'm thinking about going. And we, like me and my wife just visited New York city. It was actually New York city for the first time for me, but we have a lot of friends in New York city, like a uh, YouTube creator friends in New York city, very successful YouTube creator friends. And we, we visited there and we just got around that energy and the motivation of everybody around. Like these people are just insanely motivated human beings. They're our age and they're killing it. And they, you know, they ride, they ride, uh, they ride bicycles and electric skateboards to everywhere they go. And, and like it's, a Casey nice, nice. Exactly. exactly. What, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. Casey nice You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. watch his vlogs. Okay. All right. That's cool. Well, sometimes I, not every day, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we, uh, we actually got to meet him when we were there. That was really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We bumped into him, 
Um, our friends actually are uh, two of our closest creator friends, which we work with actually they actually, their office is in the same building as him. Oh, okay. So we met him coming out of the building, which is, yeah. which is good. It's better than being on the outside and meeting him, him coming out. So yeah. that was really cool. It was unique. We met him for like five seconds, which is normally how those things go. Yeah. He had a boosted board in one hand and a camera in the other. And I, I was thinking I would be worried if that was not the case. Like if his hands were just empty, I'd be like, is he sick? Is, right. that, is he dying? Right. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> but I get, went to New York and spent a little bit of time there. And the whole time me and my wife were there, we were like, how do we move here? <laughs> this is great. And then we came back to Utah and we were like, okay, it's kind of nice here too. We yeah. really like it here. And so now we're in this weird state where we're like, who knows, man, one day we might end up there, but we love it here. But there's, there will just be this moment where you will go, all right, it's time to pull the trigger. We're going to do this. It's horrifying, but we're going to do this. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's like us being here has helped us create opportunities. Interestingly enough, just from being in a place that we really enjoy. And then all of the stuff that we've been trying to build has been online, but I think there's, yeah, there's absolutely value to being in, in the places where you can easily get to an event or something yeah. where you can collaborate with other people and build relationships. Uh, but I think and, the, the main thing is just being intentional towards that wherever you are, uh, putting an enormous amount of work to try to build relationships with the people who, who may be valuable to you someday. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say building relationships is, is like I have several drummer friends who are doing the touring thing and they are touring with big artists and, um, you know, <laughs> I've talked to them about it several times. I've gotten advice and all of them say the same thing. They say, you know, if it, it'll happen, if it's meant to happen and you'll just, mm -hmm. it'll be the right situation and it'll work out. And that's, you know, for all of them that are touring full time, they're, they just kind of accidentally got into that situation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, it's like, and it's weird because all the, like the great opportunities in life come sort of as an accident. Like you can't quite trace to like, you can't quite trace the lines to how it sort of worked. Yeah. But at the same time, the things that you were doing helped you get there. But a lot of times it's, it's sort of the opportunity actually comes in a very indirect way that you never thought would have happened. Yeah. And in the music world nowadays, they don't really do auditions too much. And uh, I mean, they do, but there's a lot of times where um, they've, they've already know, they already know your skill level and they'll approach you and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a drummer. Um, my friend said that you might be a good candidate. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, that's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that simple. It's like, it's hard, but it's easy at the same time. Right. It's like if yeah. you have the right relationships, it's very easy. Just be the like first person that comes to mind when somebody says, Hey, I need a drummer for a thing. Yeah. And then, you know, your friend happens to be in the room and they're like, oh, I know Corey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we spoke about your goals a little bit. Okay. So I think now almost is a good 
time to wrap this thing up. And I'm excited because we're this is an hour and 55 minutes. This is fantastic. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you was, what do you hope somebody takes away from watching you do what you do? Um, it's a good question. For me, the reason I post um, to Instagram pretty much daily is uh, I just want to inspire um, the younger musicians out there and older too, but I just want to inspire those drummers out there that are in the shoes that I was in um, as a kid that anything's possible and uh, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. I know that that's kind of like a lot of people say that, but it's very true. And there's a reason why people repeat it all the time. Yeah. The world is changing with social media and the internet and there's new ways to get your name out there and get endorsed by, by your Com- the companies that you've dreamed of, you know, getting endorsed by, and there's, there's ways to get gigs and there's ways to get better at your craft. And it's all available right there on the internet. And, um, I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is just inspiring other people to know that they can do exactly what I'm doing. And, uh, if you're afraid to start it, just go out there and do it anyway. Even if you think you're bad, um, you know, you got to start somewhere and uh, it's always good to put content out whether you like it or not and just kind of see what happens. And uh, there, there might be a hater or two that tries to tear you down or discourages you. But if that's the case, then it just means you're doing something good. That's what I was going to so, say. The haters just mean you're doing something interesting. Yeah, so don't let that get to you and uh you know, just do what you want to do even if it's not drumming, you know. Uh if it's photography or sports or um uh music or or food and cooking or anything, uh just do what you like to do because uh I think it'll it'll keep you happy in the long run, you know. Mm. I think we need I think we need more pottery sculptors out there. Yes. I think our society's low on pottery sculptors. Yeah, that could be a thing, you know. <laughs> Somebody needs to start it. <laughs> pottery sculptor drummer hybrid thing. Oh gosh. We're going to talk after this cuz that's something we got to develop. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay. This is a good this is a good spot to wrap it up. Uh first off, if you've been hearing sounds of things sticking together and ripping apart, that's because I can't help but play with this Velcro thing that's sitting on my desk over here. That oh. <laughs> wasn't too loud. I realized halfway through this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is probably ruining it ruining everything. I don't uh, think I even heard it. Good. Great. Hopefully no one else did. Uh the on my last one, I forgot to eat lunch and my stomach was growling the whole time. And I <laughs> it was very stressful. But Anyway, I digress. Uh, Links below for Corey. I would love to hear uh, everyone's thoughts about this conversation. And thank you so much again, Corey, for giving me some of your time, giving us some of your time. Really appreciate it. And I hope everyone has a lovely day and goodbye. Yes, thank you. You bet.